That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June. Pilot to Bombardier. I repeat, Pilot to Bombardier. Good morning, y'all. Today is Friday, June 23rd, 2023. And we have another episode of the Papa's Corner podcast. Today, I had the opportunity and pleasure of chatting with my friend, Michael Dove, um, the husband of Britland Dove, who y'all know from the gym who y'all know and love. Uh, we talk about hunting, fishing, and uh, how Canyon Lake and, and North Texas has grown in the in the past few years. So I hope y'all enjoy. I try to get him on. He's got some wild stories. He doesn't seem like he wants to do one. He, so, so he told me he doesn't, he's not, he says he doesn't care to talk. So he said... Which I don't know if it's something we would want to put on here or just me and you. Um, he says that. And he tells everybody. Cause, and I do talk a lot. I'll acknowledge that 100%. <laughs> Cheers, by the way. Yeah. Thanks. Um, but, I mean, there was, I mean, for a while I worked with him. We were doing storage units together. Mm-hmm. Driving him all the time. I make it a point every time I'm in a car when there's like a silent moment to not be the next one to talk. Just to see. And he talks first every time. Uh huh. So he's don't, putting, don't tell him that though. He's putting up a front. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You just got to get to know people. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it is. Not that he doesn't know you, but that's why I'm like, man, maybe I have to, because he's just got some wild military stories. That he'll be, oh, what what branch was he in? He's a uh, army. Mm. Give me a favor. Switch that over. Yeah, or to the other side. Yeah, there you go. That'll work. Damn, he was in special forces. Maybe that's why he's quiet. Yeah, for the most part. So I mean, he—I mean, he just like most—he kind of solves some shit, but he's just like just things that I like. Obviously, I've never been military, but just things that I thought that I would like expected, you know, to be crazy. He's like, oh no, we did this and we did this. How long was he in the service for? I don't even know actually. I I never like put the timeline together because I never really asked him like dates or anything. Mm-hmm. I know for a good while because I mean he he got. I mean, he, he got out like, on his own. So, you know, I think he deployed like three or four times, something like that. Yeah. There are some interesting stories from people in the gym that were have done tours and stuff. You ever meet JR? It sounds familiar. Which, mm, I don't the know. problem is, like, I, the names sound familiar, but the, I just yeah. know all your spaces. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Especially if I only talk to him like once or twice. I don't know if you actually, I don't know if you would have ever met him or where. He's loud. Like, real good dude. But he's told me some stories about, like, his first firefight in war and just, like, different cop stories. And That's right. Yeah, cop. What does he look like? Shorter Mexican guy. No. Solid, stocky. No, I don't think I have. Good looking fella. I don't think I I'm only saying that in case he's listening to this. <laughs> oh, we're on right now. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize we were on. Yeah. But, yeah, uh... 
the the craziest one that Chris was telling me about was, uh, which I mean, everybody's got that moment in their life, I guess, where you have like that could have been in a wrong place time kind of thing, but where he he had been when they were doing patrols for like I don't know how long, where it had been weeks or months, he had been like front gunner, front uh, vehicle. I don't know like all the, the lingo, but. Every time they went on patrol, well, he was supposed to go on leave, and they needed somebody else to go on. They, they were like, hey, we need you to go on patrol one more time. And if you have sons in the military, they put you out front because they know you have somebody, which I would think, like, well, you have kids. They don't want somebody single. But no, they so they see it as you have somebody to carry on your name. Oh, interesting. So, like, that you're up front. Interesting. Um, oh, if you're listening to this, Chris, I'm sorry sharing information that you might but it, it's just a wild story that so that day he was supposed to go home um he was on leave but they were like hey we need somebody but they put him at the back and every other one he told me he was front and that was that patrol the front of the patrol ran over the biggest um uh ied yeah ied that had ever because apparently it was a multiple ones wired together that they had and they had driven over this road like a thousand times they just the, you know the uh the taliban i guess is pretty crappy at wiring and stuff so they just couldn't get it right and they'd been trying and trying and apparently like that final day they got oh. it right and it the front truck you know everybody i think from what i understand either everybody died or they were really messed up wow right and it's like what are the odds yeah so i was totally like dude you you wouldn't be sitting right here yeah. But he was supposed, I mean, there was more details, but he was literally supposed to be that front gunner. And not only that, it's like he had been front gunner on how many patrols and it never went off. Uh-huh. And they drove right over. And it was, they were intending for it to go off, but just never did. Uh-huh. But he said it left like a hole, like the size of an 18 wheeler on the ground. Wow. It was that big of, it was that many chained together. Wow. <laughs> that's like those, that's like those stories about people in 9-11 who called in sick for work or. For some reason, they didn't make it to work. Yeah, they like that weird feeling or whatever. I'm yeah. all about that. Like, I don't, you know, I do think people get those weird feelings sometimes. You superstitious? I don't even want to say super, but I just, there's been so many times, like, before there was tracking or any of that stuff where, like, I'd be doing something I wasn't supposed to. And, like, I'd get a call from my mom or dad. And they'd be like, hey, what are you doing? And, I mean, I'm talking, like, I'm, like, four hours away. In the field, drunk, or just like doing something, and they just be like, <laughs> I, I'm like, no, I just, I just have a feeling, like, are you okay? Uh huh. And I mean, I, that might be like that parent thing, but I don't know. And I, I feel like I get that sometimes too, like with, with you know, with Whitley and then Britlin, but I don't know. When you tell, when you tell Britlin you're on the way home from work, but you're actually casting your fucking lure across the lake. She's like, hey, are you coming? Yeah, baby, I'm on the way. I'm on the, I'm way. On the way. No, she, she, so I'm really fortunate, man. She's like really, I mean, I have my deals and she has her quirks too, but she's really good about that kind of stuff. Like she lets me go and do like, Do you think? Cause, but that's kind of one rule we established early on um, was like, hey, I have friends yeah. who their wives were like this and then they got married, they switched. And I remember like, you told me that. To be, like psycho. Uh-huh. So I'm like, we're not doing that. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not going to go out to clubs. I'm not going to go do this. I'm not going to go drinking with my buddies at like a bar without like every weekend without like, I'm not going to. So in return, mm-hmm. like if I want to go fish, I'm like, I'd like to allow you to go fish. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, 
She's been really cool about it. I mean, because I don't ever blow anything off as far as like, I'm like, oh, hey, I'm supposed to spend the day with you. We had plans, but I'm going to go fishing instead. Like, yeah, it's, it's not, not It ain't like that, mm-hmm. you know? So, I, and I am very bad about, which I think every guy is like this, though. But I'll let her know. She'll be like, hey, so I'll call her. I'm like, hey, so I think I'm getting ready to leave, you know, just a few more casts. And then, like, you know how that goes. Like, you'll miss a fish. And uh-huh. Like, shit. And then the problem is, though, like, you, you think, like, oh, I'm, I'm only throwing, like, five or ten more, you know, more casts, but then you add that up, and it's, like, it's a minute per cast, and then and it's, like, uh-huh. and then before you know it, she's calling me, and she's, like, hey, you know, I don't care, but, you know, you, you said you were going to leave in, like, five minutes, and it's, like, an hour later, and you're, I know you're, like, five minutes from the house, so, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'm fishing somewhere close, I'm, like, uh, has it been that long? <laughs> you don't notice it. Yeah. Okay, so how close is that little Cypress Cove lake, that pond? Right down the street. Right down the street. Did somebody pull all the bass out of that thing? So that's what I was wondering. There's still bass in there, man, but I haven't seen any really big ones. And that's what I was wondering because this past spring, I fished the crud out of it and never caught anything. I think, well, I caught like a, a two or three pounder. But that was like even the biggest fish I saw in there. Uh-huh. And that thing used to be loaded. So I think there's still fish in there, but I think somebody's been keeping it. You know what yeah. I'm I don't know if they've been eating it, keeping them eating them. I'm sure they're taking them somewhere. Or they're private lakes. There's right, a ton of people with private lakes around here, right? Right. Uh, maybe on the big places. And it's like, so, I mean, I, you know, I get it. You pull up to a place that's got abundance of fish. Can you buy bass where? I don't even know how you go about that. But see, like, if I, we ever have enough property, and we're going to do it so much. My stepmom's family has property out in Marion, and we have three small tanks on the place. Um, like I remember the, you telling like me the biggest that. one even is isn't even as big as that cypress which that cypress goes a decent little it's a decent little you know pond. but it's not but our biggest one even that big but in the back corner we have an area where it's a it's a field now and it slopes down and my dad we were kind of talking about it all the drainage runs to the back corner of this field and once the family finalizes who's getting what they're going to get that but once it's finalized we're going to dig that out and make a big tank back there but we were talking about buying for that possibly like I got to do research, but the Florida strain of bass, because they seem to get way bigger, way faster. I mean, I don't know if you've, like, watched YouTube videos of the dudes, like, fishing in the canals in Florida, and they pull, like, 13 pounders out of there. Like, it's nuts. Like I've seen some videos on people getting some hogs, and I'm like, holy shit, how? And that's from that's what I understand is, and everybody that, we know people that say they've bought Florida strain bass, and they, apparently that's what it is. They just, they put on more weight. They put weight on quicker every year. They get bigger. Yeah. I mean, I don't... I'm sure there's something to that. Well, it might just be one of those things everybody says. I feel like if it's like, I don't know, $5 a bass, or you think it's more expensive than that? When you, If you I go to get them small... it might even be cheaper than that. Because I would or say just range. get like 20 of them and throw them in that pond and come back in two months, three months. Right. And that's... And I think... I mean, I don't know how much... And that's... I don't know how much they're supposed to grow a year and all that, but that's kind of the thing that... We well, and my dad were talking about this this past weekend because we were out at the farm fishing and we're, we're trying to figure out because, you know, we've had droughts and the ponds aren't big anyways, diameter-wise, but they're real deep. And so we're like, some of these fish die because we I mean, we fish them all the time, but we're like, three or four years ago, we caught like some five-pounders. So those fish should theoretically, like, yeah, they're in smaller environments. They're not going to grow like a crap ton, but like, some of those fish should be pretty big by now. Uh-huh. Like, and they haven't grown? Well, it's just like we haven't caught any that big. So you think they died? So either they died or we just haven't caught them. Uh, <laughs> you know okay. what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, because the water's not crystal clear in our ponds. 
because they're deep in the water and there's there's cattle out there they're constantly getting there to cool off so it makes them murky and everything and you were there this weekend we were there saturday did y'all catch anything a few we might have both caught a couple like two three pounders like decent fish do you throw stuff into that pond to give it like structure and all that no because there's um the, the one pond that's called like our third tank, it has a huge willow tree on the back side of it and it hangs over into the water like half the tree. Uh-huh. So there's all kind of structure from its roots and branches. Um, but then but then all the other ones have uh, just tons of like the like the grass and stuff growing in there. They're not just like open. I wonder if it would help if you threw like branches and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like I mean massive branches. Possibly. And I and I think the reason the fish do so well out there is because we have tons of frogs. Oh. And there's some perch in there too. That's one thing I've learned though is like it's good to have like whatever some perch, whatever you want to call them. Um, all the ones we have are almost like little bluegill. Um, but it's like good food for the bass. But it's like I've kind of seen where it's weird because I've seen them like take over the bluegill and the bat. Or I mean, and the yeah, they like take over where it's like where the, you'll just where I've heard of people like, oh yeah, I put this many this in this many bass in, and now look like. There's just thousands of the perch in there. Uh. So, but we seem to have a pretty good balance out there. Like we don't, we see them and we catch them here and there, but for the most part, it's mostly bass. How far is that place? Here, it's like 45 minutes. Cause it's, it's so it's like 20 minutes east of New Braunfels. Okay. So it's, it's not too far. Have you heard of private water fishing? It's like an app that you can. Is that the one where like I mean, people will say like, hey, you can come fish my pond. Yeah. I've been seeing like a bunch of uh, ads on Instagram for it, and I, I want to say it's like I don't know thirty five dollars a month, but I think most of their most of their lakes are like uh, Dallas area, right? Not around here. If you look at a map, I think it is of either Dallas or Fort Worth, and you kind of zoom in, it's like there's pieces of water everywhere. everywhere. No, I mean, you kind of see it here too, but it's like they're way more spread out and they're usually a little small. Mm-hmm. But there, I want to say it was Dallas I looked at like recently and I was like, holy crud. It was like there was like tanks and ponds every, like even like right in the city, mm-hmm. you know? It's probably better better fishing up there, huh, than San Antonio? I mean, there's good spots. The, the problem is like our like can- Canyon Lake, I mean, I'm sure there's people that would argue this with me, but it... There's, there's plenty of big fish in there. I just, it's a harder lake to fish to me than other lakes. Like, I've fished, um, uh, God, I just blinked. Um, LBJ. Well, Have LBJ, you fished yeah, LBJ? LBJ in those lakes, but then even like right around here, um, like Dunlap is pretty good, but there's the McQueenie. Uh huh. Is like, which I don't even, I haven't been over there lately, so I don't know if that's the one that's drained now or not because they, they did drain Dunlap because the, dam collapsed or whatever and then i think they were moving to mcqueenie next but that's just like it's like a bass fisherman's paradise really mcqueenie was and i'm sure there's some spots i don't know about but like the deepest spot i've ever seen in that in that lake was like 10 or 12 feet it was like really shallow like for the and it's not even really a lake it's a wide spot and in, in the river is what it is uh-huh but it's just like there's lily pads everywhere it's just mm. like the perfect structure top water you fish top water yeah top water well that's I think I showed I showed you that picture of, and that's actually when we got maybe got on topic about doing a, a podcast. Well, that one of my little brother, 
Oh, that caught, yeah, that bass. Yeah, where I told you like I'd been fishing a top water for like the last uh-huh. hour, and you were like, "I'm done with." I'm this done spot. with it. I said to the sire, and we pull up in this cove, and he's like, "Where's that top water you're using?" Uh-huh. Puts it on first cast, makes one twitch, and that like eight pound bass hammers it. And I'm like, "You're freaking kidding me!" Uh-huh. You know, and he, it was like textbook. There was a big stump right there. He threw like right by the stump, like right where I would have thrown it. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> I was so mad. He has the magic touch. That's the way, dude. He does. He's caught some big fish. Like he lives down on the coast now in Rockport. And uh, he's got a picture of uh, cut a we esti- he estimated because he only had like a ruler on the boat and it only went to like forty four inches, but he estimated it was a fifty four inch redfish. Holy which shit! They get that big like out in the deeper water outside the jetties. That's not I mean it's still a big fish regardless, but that, that's not super uncommon. But what's uncommon is he caught it up in the bay in like two feet of water. Wow! And talking to a few people, which. I'm sure you've talked to a bunch of guides on there. They're like, oh, it's not that rare. But talking to people that I know that fish a lot down there or or have guided for years down there, I'm like, no, that's rare. To catch one like in up in the bay in that shallow water, like that big. Yeah. Apparently, like, you know, I've never caught one over probably 30. That's the biggest I've ever caught. And his was 50. It's, I, I, the picture, I haven't, I got to figure out how to save it right. But he's holding like this. Have you fished down there at the coast? We go all the time because my uh, my mom and stepdad have a house in Rockport. Yeah, the first time I went was a couple years ago with my buddy Tommy. And we – it was wild. It blew my mind. Like just the way the bay is out there. We had gone, I want to say like 25 minutes out. from Like you could barely see the shore. And then he's like, go hop in the water. I'm like, no way, dude. What are you talking about? And then he steps in the water and it's like up to his knees. And he said he just lets the boat float and he just walks. Mm-hmm. Like, that is badass. It's weird out there, man. The biggest thing for me, and it's like anybody that doesn't live there, is like knowing how to work the tides and all that. And I'm trying, which there's apps that help and all that. I'm trying to, which I need to get into, learn. Because, like, for me with bass fishing and freshwater fishing, it's like you go there and the fish are there. And you go back tomorrow, they're going to be there. They may not be feeding right there. They may be biting on something a little different, but they're in the same spot. Uh huh. Saltwater is not that same. You got to find the them. The trout and redfish move so much. And like, that's what's hard for me because I'll like go to a spot and I'm like, dude, I've been here four times with other people and we've limited out. And then I go there two Nothing. days in a row and I won't get a bite. I'm like, what? Yeah. But it's knowing the wind direction. Because literally just the wind direction will make a difference out there. And I'm like, what? Like the tide can be the right tide. Water temperature can be the same. But if the wind's a different direction. Uh-huh. So I haven't. I got to figure out how to read all that. My little brother's getting better at it, but how old's he? Three years younger than me. He's twenty nine. You know what a, a a boil is? Like you ever seen it where there's just tons oh, like of a ton of fish? Yeah, in one area. What is that? Are they feeding off of like a school Something of like them? That, a right? school of bait fish? I think so. I know. Mm. I've never seen like in person really anything like that. But I've I, never seen. My little brother's pulled up on like the redfish too, and that the redfish are. I guess they're pretty famous for that. They'll like just be schooling and feeding them. Uh-huh. Like a frenzy of them. I saw I saw a video of it, and these guys were just throwing their lines in and just boom every cast right. into just a massive pile of fish. Yeah, that's rad. No, and I, so I so I don't know what even triggers that. Like I don't know if it's just so many fish get packed in when there's so much bait or not. Because I've never, I mean, I pulled up on redfish before, but I've never seen it. But I don't know, man. As much as I fish, like, and I like to think of myself as a decent fisherman. There's just like like saltwater fishing, like my granddad, he grew up down there and he's fished there most of his life. But so like a silver or gold spoon is like 
they say is like you can't beat it for a redfish, right? Like it's undeniable. There's other things they love, but that's like the one, you know, it's like you can always catch them. I can't tell you how many trips we went on where we pull up in shallow water, see the redfish tailing. You go right where they were and just like hammer them on. Like every time it was like, see them, throw, catch them. Dude, I have been trying that for like the last 10 years and I just like can't make it happen. And I'm Uh like, what am I doing? You Uh know, because there's nothing to those. It's, you know, you throw, I mean, there's a little bit, but it's like they, they, you know, they're their own action really for the most part. You know, there's not like there's some secret way to finesse them for the most part. There really isn't. You know, it's funny with trout, when I was fishing trout a lot in California, I would do like, when I first started, so now I like jigging, like little rat tails, little worms. But before I would bait and wait where you throw like a piece of power bait right. and let it float. The go-to was always garlic. Always. Mm. Don't it's know why. Like a lot of fish like that too. Like not even just trout, like just other species. It was garlic. chartreuse garlic, which is like a, a lime green. Uh-huh garlic flavor always always beat any other flavor don't know why yeah those are like those are freshwater trout right mm-hmm. like uh i don't even like out of little rainbow trout rainbow. and lakes and all that yeah difference yeah have it's you, funny that the little flies work for bass too though right like yeah they'll hit that but i don't know how to ba- you know how to fly fish no i've done <laughs> the basics but i'm not good at it no i don't know i don't know how to i'm sure that's something when i get older i'd like to learn I'm still trying to get better, like just the normal fishing. Same. Okay, <laughs> you, know? you ever driven down, down like to uh, Kingsville? Mm-hmm. So like when you leave San Antonio, there's a lake on the left side, but I don't know if it's a public lake or not. It's a big lake. Or is it just south of San Antonio? Yep. Calaveras. Maybe. Or is it? Yeah, that's one that had back, back to the power plant. Yes. Uh, it's loaded with redfish. Oh, is it? Apparently, the bass fishing is good there too, but it's loaded with uh, freshwater because redfish can. They can go up into fresh water. It's next to the power plant for sure. Yeah, and it's, but yeah, you can go out there. From what I hear, you can go out there and just like slay redfish. Redfish. I've never done it. Are you allowed to go fish out there? Mm-hmm. It's a we should take lake. a trick, a trip out there. Yeah. Oh, what did, I was just talking to someone the other day about this. Oh, it was like Britland's like nephew was telling me they they took a guide out there, and I think he said they were like, which was weird. They were like trolling. There in that lake. Right, and they they were catching redfish that way, but it apparently it's just like solid like 30 40 inch redfish like all throughout there really the thing is though people debate on whether it's good to eat or not because like it's the power but i'm uh, like uh, uh. like dude all that happens is the water runs into the power plant to help cool it uh-huh. because it's you know naked, and then it goes out so i'm like i'm sure if there was a leak they would know about it yeah 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 you know so i'm sure the fish are fine but is there water running into that not from the plant like a spring i'm sure there's because how I'm sure there's something that feeds it. I, I've never looked at a map to see what actually feeds it, though. But it's a massive lake, right? And not actually, massive. Actually, I don't think Calaveras is really all that big. I, oh, think, okay. I mean, it's decent size, I'm wrong, but I don't think it's like. Look it up. Yeah. Look it up. So I don't think it's like like near as big as Canyon Lake is. Canyon Lake's pretty big. Pretty big. The problem with Canyon Lake, man, Canyon Lake is it's like it's more of I mean, don't get me wrong, like I just I mean, lures and creature baits work there. And there's plenty of structure, but I just have the best luck with like diving baits, like crankbaits, uh-huh, like deep, uh-huh. deep stuff like that. And it's like trolling, like, and I don't, and I don't mind doing that, but you know, I, like I, there's a time for me, like, um, I like, like I, I, I'm a pitching, like just throwing casting kind of guy. Now, no wrong, like, when I'm feeling lazy, I love to just troll and just sit there and drink beer and just wait for the pole to load. I'm like, that's fun, uh-huh. but it's a... Uh, but that, that's what I feel like Canyon Lake is because it's, it's a deep, rocky lake. Yeah, it's massive. You know, there, there's spots where it's, 
know, you know what is that? Well, cause see, there's Browning Lake on the way down there. You know, that's what it is. It's Browning. It's just when you leave oh, no, San Antonio sorry. on the left side. Oh, there's, oh, it's actually bigger than what I thought. That's all. Yeah, on thirty. So look. So we are thinking of Browning. That's the one that has. Uh, there's fish in there. Actually, the the power the power plant is no. So look, there's thirty. If you go thirty-seven down that on left, that's Browning. I think that's the one I'm thinking of. You can right see there. like right from the highway. Yep. And then, the Cal. This is Calaveras. Ah, uh, okay. I think that's the one that has the power plant. I don't okay. know. I mix them up because I've never fished either one of them. Maybe when I was young. Oh yeah, look, see. Oh TPS yeah. TPS power yeah. Mm -hmm. station. So it's Calaveras that has it. But you see, Calaveras looks pretty good size. Yeah, that does look. But Brawny's not very big. See, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's still plain big. But um, south of there, this is the lake to fish right here. Really? Central Canyon. That's good. Full of gators, though. Full, like, full. Really? Full. Like, I fished their... Uh, uh, Alligator gar or, like, oh, legit like, gators? gators. Fish uh, for uh, striped bass. Uh-huh. Um, or, no, sorry, not striped bass. Uh, that would be striped bass. Like, white bass. Which they are. They're striped bass, or would you consider stripers? Stri yeah, I mean, which some people call white bass striped bass, but I always think of striper when uh -huh. I say... But, yeah, the white bass, which, you know, they're little, but... There's a bridge there, I believe it's called the 99 Bridge, and we fished there at night a few times growing up, like on, during the white bass run. And it's it's nuts. I, I'm sure the landscape's changed. I that was years ago, but there was like this one spot of the bridge where the water came through, and it was like deeper right there than like the rest of all underneath the bridge. And we would sit there like there was two boats full of people across from each other, and we got to where we couldn't all put our lines in the water at the same time because we were all hooking up. And they would just tangle. Yeah, up. we were just tangling up. Wow. We were just using your shoes and minnows. And like you, okay, you're checking the fish finder. Oh, there's fish there. So, oh, uh, we think they're about this depth. So you drop it all the way down to the bottom, and then you just like crank up till you're about there, and you wait, and you hammer them. Damn. But anyways, that's the first time somebody was like, "Hey, you want to see something cool?" And they just turned a spotlight and shining across the water, and there's just eyes. Like there's eyes. There's ten feet. Oh, there's Whoa. more eyes. Like those are alligators. I'm like oh shit. That's wild. But if you look at parts of that lake. Which I think this is what they did. It literally looks like they just flooded an area. Like it's you. There's certain spots where you pull up in there, and it's just like it's brushy. It's like you got to know where you're going. Like it looks like it just re which it's been a while since I've been there, but it looks like it recently got just just flooded. Like it's like as if there was no water there, and they just flooded a huge brush area. Interesting. So it's kind of like backwoodsy, like swampy. -ish. But you like. Who would have flooded it? The city let water into it or the rainfall? No, I mean, they made the lake on purpose. I just think that they – and maybe it was high at that point then. Maybe that's why it was up like – but it was just like there was like freaking mesquite trees. It was up in the mesquite trees. But I think they just kind of halfway like made the lake and maybe when they flooded it, it filled up to that point when they decided to get water in there. Uh-huh. Because it is a reservoir, so it's – Where'd you grow up? Uh – Mainly here most of my life, but I was I was born in San Antonio, but then my parents lived south of San Antonio, like in Somerset, Vaughn Army area. I lived there until I was like five, and then I moved up here to Canyon Lake, and we've been here ever since. So you went to Smithson Valley? What year did you graduate? 2009. Unfortunately, Smithson Valley. I don't know. It, it, I'm sure it's a good school. It just seems a little crazy. <laughs> it's wild. How many people were in your graduating class? And there were, We had a big class, I think. I think there was like 500. And is it similar now? Do they... I think they're smaller now because capacity? of other schools. Oh, that's a good point. You know, the biggest thing that... And to get into that real quick, that always... I always felt like... 
So Spencer Valley for years was a four A, and then they went to five A. But they were always we were always a small five A. Okay. Like compared to like when you compare this to like Houston and Dallas and uh-huh. Austin schools and even some of the San Antonio schools, because for the longest time we were like barely five A. Even when I went there, I think we were. I mean, we were five A, but it was like lower in scale. But there was no difference. If you're five A, you're five A. And I always felt like Spencer Valley got cheated just in all sports, but like mainly football. It seemed like over the years, um, because here's a school that has. 4,000 kids, which is a lot of kids, don't get me wrong. But then you're going to the playoffs and you're in the state championship game playing a school that has 13,000 kids. What does Lake Travis have? Because they're typically one of the powerhouses, right? Like like something like that. Mm. But they finally, I think, it's probably been three, four, five years ago, they made, they they split that up. So we're, I don't even know if it's a 6A now or if it's like a super, but they have, it's different now. Because before I'm like, that's not fair. Yeah, of course not. And it's like, and then, my biggest thing was because Mr. Valley still doesn't have a state championship in football, and they've been to state I don't know how many times. Mm. We always come up short, but it's like, dude, we're losing by a field goal or a touchdown to a school that has, in certain cases, three times the amount of students to choose from that we do. And yeah, it's like, yeah. You know, I don't want a loss is a loss, but it's like, I feel like if they were playing, we were playing somebody comparable. That's a, that's a win. Yeah, you know, but we were mm. playing like big schools like. Katie, South Lake Carroll, and those teams, and it's like Katie's in Houston. Yeah, and they're a big, and they're a big, big one. I think they lost to Katie, like I don't know, I think twice in the semifinals and once in the state finals. Which I guess I think they split all up now towards it's it's fair, but it just seems like since they've done that, Spencer Valley hasn't had the teams that they had back then. Mm-hmm. You know, which I don't know. That's just I just know those teams because those are the teams I grew up like watching because I was in elementary and middle school, but. What is it? What was it like? Where in Canyon Lake did you grow up? Around here? Actually, um, on the other side of the lake, if you go down 306, like on the way to New Braunfels, uh, on the left there's a road called Purgatory Road that you can take to actually go to like Wimberley. And we lived back in there. My parents had like 15 acres, 14 acres, something like that. And what? Like, let me see. This was always a quiet lake town. Yeah, like it was like, like summer gets popping because you have like the little horseshoe people too, and then Whitewater came along, and it's like it's a it's a summer place, but it's like normally during the rest of the year it's like, but now it's it's not like that anymore. Either. Yeah, tell me about it. Like what? It's it's got to be pretty crazy, right? Yeah, for you it's to nuts, see because the it's really a retirement community was what Canyon Lake was. I mean, there was the locals, all people that grew up living here, kind of kind of like I almost did, and I have a lot of family that lives around here. Um, but it was mainly just kind of, but then just older retired people. And it's, it's the weirdest place because I'm sure you have this elsewhere, but I've never seen it where you can go to some of these neighborhoods that are on Canyon Lake and you can have a $10 million lakefront home. And then you go across the street and there's a single wide meth trailer. Uh-huh. And you're like, what the hell? Like, yeah. Like what? Some of those houses near boat ramp 11, mm-hmm. right there where you're, if you're taking that late, like, you know how you can canoe towards the lake? Right. And you look, and there's, like, those lakefront houses are massive. And see, that's Mystic Shores, that neighborhood. And mm. that, Mystic, what's funny is, so, my, like I said, my parents used to have a house there, but their lakeside, they have, like, their own little, it's like the peninsula at Mystic Shores, and it's, like, even higher dollar. And what's even crazy is, maybe now it's changed, but when we lived there, a lot of those houses, it was, like, an old couple that owned, like, a... Uh, 4,000 square foot lakefront home that they only came to during the summer. So they... And you're like, dude, what the heck? Yeah. Like, you don't, like, like, oh yeah, like my grandkids, we don't even really have family. And I'm like, 
I, I guess I see it differently because I'm like, if I had just like millions of dollars, like I'm not saying I wouldn't spend it, but I wouldn't have like a. I mean, some of those houses, dude. I can show you. If you think those are bad, so some houses in there that you blow your mind. They're like ten bedroom homes, and you're like, uh-huh. and you just live here with your like wife uh-huh. three months out of the year. Uh-huh. Like, why'd you need ten bedrooms? It's going to waste. You know, I'm like, I'm yeah. like, Jesus. Like, I would have bought a house on the lake for sure, but I don't know. But yeah, there's some some mansions back in there. Dude. It's wild, dude, to see like there are some people who just have so much money. Like, where does it come from? What do these people do? Well, and you got to figure too, though. But like, because like I said, we're talking about how things have changed here. Those houses, 10 years ago, maybe were a million dollars. And now it's a $10 million home. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, a million dollars is a lot of money, but it's like, when you consider, oh, it's a six bedroom home on a lake, and it's and it's a brand home, like, and you go somewhere else and try to, like, that's, uh, it makes more sense, or maybe it was 800,000 or whatever. Just to put in perspective, and now those, ho- those homes are so much worth so much more, where it's like, I mean, they still have money, but you're like, Six years ago, it didn't seem that crazy. Now you're like, okay, whoever's buying those homes now, those people are loaded. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> like, it's a lot of people coming from out of state. For the most part. most And, you know, for a while, I'm like, why, why, why is this happening? Why are people paying so, so much? But then I, like, looked it up, and I, I'm like, oh, it makes sense. Where they're coming from, they have a 1,300-square-foot house with no backyard, and it's $400,000. So they come out here... And it's like for four hundred thousand dollars, they can get, you know, a two thousand square foot house with an acre. Like that's incredible to them. But to us, we're like, that's 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 high. Yeah. But so it's like it's all perspective. So I get it. I'm like, I have a friend in California who's a realtor out there, in the city where I grew up in, Santa Ana. It's or not Santa Ana, Anaheim. Like, have you heard of Disneyland mm-hmm. or in Anaheim? It's not. It's like, I don't know, twenty five minutes from the beach. But it's not like a beachfront house. It's not anything special. A condo. One bedroom, one bathroom condo. He sold for 813, 813. $813,000 for a one bedroom condo. That's stupid. It doesn't, it, it's like, there's no point in living there. You have to have when you're paying so that money. for a condo. It's like, you know what you could do? Well, up until probably four years ago, eight hundred thousand dollars. I hear what it could get you. But it, twelve acres and a massive house, yes. at least. Yes. At least. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. It's wild. Well, yeah, because now, yeah, we're at now around here. If the land's halfway flat and decent, it's about a hundred thousand an acre. An acre. Five years ago, it was what forty thousand an acre. Something like that. So, which this is years and years and years ago. So it's obviously the pricing is different, but. It's crazy to think about. My parents bought that 15 acres off back off Purgatory Road, and it's it's pretty decent property. Um, there was like a there was one there was a single wide trailer on. That's what they lived in until they built their house in the back of it. But 15 acres with just single wide trailer. And I think my dad's mother paid 19,000. 19,000 for 15 acres. And right, and that was what year would that have been? That was probably five. So that was like. Maybe I was actually a little older. That was probably like 98 to like 2000, 2001. 25 so like, years yeah, ago. I mean, it's, it's been a long time, but still, it's just crazy thing. Yeah. That it's like they basically, they, they, what my dad told me is they paid, like, it was like a little, it was like 1,200 an acre or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're a long ways from there now. Now you got to pay 1,200 just to see right. the property. It's crazy. Well, there's still places in Texas where the land's. 
not yeah, crazy, but, but you're out, which me and her have this conversation a hundred times, me, me and my wife, where it's like, we could go out there, but as much as I'm all for like getting my kids away from like some big crazy school, it's like they'd have to go to like a 1A high school out in the nowhere and like, I want to give them the best shot they can for like a good education, you know, because yeah. I did, I mean, I, I, I have a high school, you know, I have um, my diploma. And then I went to some college and went to a trade school, but like, I'm like, and, and I'm also a firm believer though, that like college is not just the absolute, like you have to do for everybody. Like, mm-hmm. There's so many other options, but I'm like, Hey, if my kid wants to like go be a vet or something like that, like, you know, let's have her at a school where she can get like a couple of college credits and stuff while she's in high school. Cause I don't know. I'm not yeah. sure that our 1A high school is offering all that. Yeah. If you're in the, the boonies, definitely. I would say the opportunities for the children definitely get smaller versus cause we'd move out there. Tomorrow, just you and her. Right. If we, yeah. you know, and even like it's, it's, it's like I said, I'm conflicted cause like I'd like to raise my kid out there like that. Besides the fact that like, you know, we could find if we could finally have a decent small school, but maybe like three A wouldn't be too bad. Kind of like Blanco, the size of like Blanco High School is not uh-huh. bad. That's where honestly, I for the years I was like, when I go to Rome, I'm like right, right in Blanco and go have my kids go to Blanco High School because it's like just big enough, but it's even more expensive right up there than it is right here. Oh really? So Blanco's getting way more popular. Mm-hmm. And but it and it's weird, but it's been it, it was a little it was pricier before the everything started. Mm-hmm. You know. But it was pricier before, so you're saying prices are going down over there? Well, no, I'm saying like it was, it was more expensive. If I'm not mistaken, it was more expensive to buy land up around Blanco before everything went up. Already, it was already more expensive. Oh, there. I see what you're saying. Yeah, Blanco was, which is weird because you're further out. Yeah, you would think but it's, it's cheaper. You know, and but now it's even, and I don't know if that's just because of being outside of Austin. I mean, but it's it's a pretty good place outside of. Austin. Yeah, you're what 45, 50 minutes from Austin, at, no? At least. At least, you know. And then 50 minutes from San Antonio, at right. least. But it was more expensive there than it was, like, I remember years ago to, like, even buy land, like, in Dripping Springs. But Dripping Springs now is bait. It's Austin. Dri- Dripping which Springs. Which I always knew it would become. Yeah. You know, it's not quite there, but it, they basically connect at this point. You know what's one thing that's crazy is, like, people out here, and I'm not shitting on them because, obviously, there's a lot of people that... <sighs> How can you shit on somebody who gets a good opportunity because of family? It's hard to shit on them, right? Because right. it's not like they're doing anything wrong. They're just in that family. But I have a, f- a friend out there whose girlfriend, no, well, girlfriend's best friend, her family inherited 1,500 acres in Dripping Springs. And it's so crazy that there are people out here in Texas who just, because their grandpa was here or their grandma was here 50 years ago, they got handed to them, you know, like, oh, I raised your cattle for you. Here's a thousand acres, you know, right. shit like that. It's wild. And especially when they get places like that, where it's like prime real estate, where that 1500 acres, especially if it's anywhere near like 290 or the main highway that's running through it, at some point it's going to be worth so much. Like, Oh yeah. Like, and they sell 500 to developers and, and then they keep the rest. Cash oh, out. Right, right. So... A lot of that depends on how long it's been in the family, but I know like, so the the family that my my cousin married into, his family has been out. They were some of the first people ever out in this area, old old German people. Um, back then, that was when they were like, if I'm not mistaken, they've been here that long. Where it was like land grants, but also 
there was the uh, like, hey, if you want to go out there and go to that wild place, and if you can fence it, it's yours. Wow. So you got to realize. So it's like, yeah, I'm sure there were some dudes back then that were like land barons that had tons of money and they just had a huge labor force to go fence as much land as they wanted. But a lot of it wasn't like that. Mm. It was like some dude and like his two brothers that were dirt poor farmers were like, hey, let's go do this. And over a 30 year time span, fenced a thousand acres. Uh-huh. And it was, and they just barely hung on to it for, you know, 200 years or, or no, well, it would be 200 years, it would be 100 years now or 1800s. But yeah, 100 years, you know, there's so many times where they probably almost lost it. And then all of a sudden here you get, you know, five generations later where some kids just like, like, here's the land. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they're millionaires and they didn't do anything for it. Yeah. So I try to always bring that up to people that like, I'm not saying that kid isn't spoiled because that more than likely that kid can be. But a lot of times it's like the family probably blood, sweat, tears to keep oh, that land. You know, uh-huh. kind of like uh-huh. if you've watched the show with Yellowstone. I've heard about it. I, that's what I mean. It, it's way over dramatized and all that. But I like aspects of it because a lot of that gets brought up in the show about like and the other shows, the spinoffs that have explained where they came from. It explains that. It's like in, in the Yellowstone show, all these people are just trying to take their land. Like, what do you need all that land for? Like, well, you know, like you don't need all that land. No man. Should, and it's like, I, I understand where you're coming from, but it's like. If you watch the follow-up, his family came out west when you could go out west and claim the land. And half the family died along the way making the trip. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like – and so they fought to have it. You know yeah. so they, It's like – I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's almost – and the way I see it, it's almost like, well, they deserve it. You know, if they fought years and years ago just to even make the trip out there to have the land and all the years, you know, they, they had droughts and almost lost it and put – I know people out here who've put the land up for collateral times because they were like, I don't have money. Mm-hmm. But they used their land, and it's like if they didn't make that and return that money, they would have lost the land, the, the property of the bank, mm-hmm. but barely made it. And then 10 years later, they're prosperous, and people are saying, like, look at you. It must be nice. It's like, you don't really know what... There was big sacrifices. Right, yeah. Which I guess that can go for anything, but it's like people should... You realize there's a lot of... But people do get lucky. Oh yeah, land. That's what I've tried to, and she's understood it. My wife, land is the biggest thing. Like if you have, you, you will always. I don't even want to say like be able to make because money is the thing, but like you'll always be okay as long as you have land. Mm-hmm. Because what everybody says they're not making any more of it. Yep, land is the one thing you can't just make. Well, and before the prices went up, which I, we were talking about this on Sunday, that it like I think about it all the time. It's hard not. It's almost depressing to think about. There was a couple of properties we looked at that were like 10, 15 acres, but they just didn't have anything on it. We were going to have to put the stuff on there, but they were in our price range. And she pushed it. And I, and I, and I went along with it. I could have stood stronger and was like, no, we want to get something that's already a house and already, we don't have to do everything. And we're looking back now and we're like, dude, we could have. You're kicking those, yourself. Yeah, we, we could have bought those places for 180 and, and sold them for a million dollars. And right now I have $800,000 in the bank. Yeah. To go move off or to actually afford where we wanted to live. but Yeah, it's always that situation. Which, and things are going to go up in value, right? You, it, it's going to happen. But for it to happen in three years, to go from 180 to yeah. a million is what it's like. You're like mm-hmm. You know, you want to talk about really getting screwed. Uh, I don't know the exact area, but my stepmom, my stepmom's either mom or grandma was like a sister of a family who 
I think she was set to inherit like a either either three thousand acres herself or a or a third of three thousand acres. I don't know. It's I've only heard the story one time. Still a shit ton of land. Right over in Converse, where it's all built now, where and all of her mothers, mothers, whatever, all the brothers, sisters are like they've moved off. They're all like wealthy millionaires now because they held on to it and sold it like in the early two thousands for millions of dollars. But her mom, they like her, her grandma, or whatever. Somehow they like I don't know that they they got lawyers and somehow got her out where she didn't get anything. No. So like my stepmom's mom was set to get like or is it her mom or her grandma was set to get all this land and didn't get anything. Oh God. You know, but then but then they married into um the dryers, which is where our farm is now, Marion, her my stepmom's dad or grandpa bought that property, which that was originally I think like a thousand acres and it's been split up over the years to cousins and stuff. And mm-hmm. So everybody that is in the near vicinity, it's all family, but it's like distant at this point. And they still have the main portion still like three hundred and fifty, but they're splitting in half now. That's half that's going to my stepmom's sister, and the other half's going to her. She's getting something. So yeah, she. I mean, she's getting like in land out there is crazy valuable. In Converse, right? Well, I, well, well, they're, they're they're in Marion, but it's where's Marion at? It's to be north of Converse. So if you take like mm. seventy eight north which is coming right out of converse and follow it north it goes right up so it 78 basically runs parallel with 35 so that's towards new brothels yes but it's okay. just to the right of new brothels uh-huh. um but yeah if you just go or you could yeah if you just take if you go north it's on the right but yeah it's directly east of us here and it's, it's so weird dude so next time if you ever go out that way i tell people this it's almost i, I don't even know if there must have been like a big river or something like a thousand years ago or whatever so if you t- if you go from here towards like new Braunfels and marion it's rock dude and hills and rock until you hit like 35 and it's like right after you go across 35 it's black dirt and it's farmland interesting and i'm like what and then fr- from then on down it goes from black dirt and then you go further and further east and it turns into like sandy loam and it turns into like a sandy soil and I'm Interesting. like, was that a big river at some point? And then th- right where New Braunfels area is, that was like the coastline. Did you make this observation on your own? Yes. Interesting. <laughs> Same thing with San Antonio. Like if you go south of San Antonio, think about it. The minute you get like on the southern part of San Antonio, it's all sand. So, you know, if it is true what they say, you know, that at one point the continents have all moved from where they oh, originally yeah. were and all that. Um, was that like a beach at one point? That Definitely was the coastline. Possible. Because it's just weird to me that this is all hill country rock, but then it there's almost no gradual. It's like it goes from rock and hill country to either black dirt that way or sand. Hmm. So, I mean, maybe there was a maybe like I say either it was ocean or was it, or was it some kind of big? I I think river more so where Marion is because it's like black dirt and there's tons of that the the river rock. Like if you dig in the black dirt, there's like those, those like little polished stones. Mm-hmm. All in it, and you're like, you know, I don't think the ocean really does that. I've been around here on parts of land, like, uh, so there, we have a little ranch on 1863, and it has a hilltop. And on that hilltop, I found shells. Mm-hmm. Like, there's been water there. Right. But those hilltops are high. Sure. So there has to have right. been water point. in this area, yeah. At some point, yeah. It, uh, the place we lived off of Purgatory Road, half the property, so where the house set and the barn, all that was up on a hill. But the rest of it was kind of low lying and 
and that was where the only good soil was there. But, I mean, we found multiple, like, shells and fossils. You know when you're going down uh, 281 and you cross 1863, and then you pass um, the Alamo Firework mm-hmm. on the right side? And you're in, like, a valley. That so, whole area, right. Yeah, it's like a valley. I always think about this when I'm driving through there. Is like, we have such a short time frame of how we view his history and weather that at any point, unpredictable to us, a massive storm can come by and just fill that whole valley and just kill everybody in that valley. Right, because it's, to me, in the way I see it, just like that, because at some point, water was flowing through there. So it, either... Either there was some crazy like three week storm, or there was a lot of water flowing through there at one point, and now it's just dry. Yeah, and it's been dry for however many years. Yeah, that's like right back behind here. Remember, creek the same way. It'll blow your mind when you see when you go to the certain spots of it, and you see how tall the cliffs are, and you're like, "This is a little bitty creek." Uh-huh. So it's so is it one of those things where did it just slowly carve its way through over all these years, and it was a little creek, or was it like a raging river at one point? It had to have been. You know. I always kind of wonder those things myself when I see like little creeks uh-huh. and there's, but they're like in a huge like gorge or whatever in here, which I know, you know, over time water cuts through rock unbelievably, but yeah, if we ever go fishing back there, which we've got to kind of, where it gets to the point where you can see the cliffs and the better fishing is it's technically private property. But <laughs> I'm a, when it comes to that, I'm a risk taker. I'm with you. Let's yeah, do it. I mean, where it's private property, there's stuff that's been sitting back there when I went and started fishing out there 10 years ago and, and this stuff's still sitting there, there's like an old grill, like inside, and you're like, nobody comes down. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm catching and releasing, I'm not keeping fish, but yeah, if I go back there, I'll show you where you like, you look at the sides of the cliff and you're like, what the hell? There was a t- 100 feet. There was a time my buddy took me to this place, it's like a, a punch bowl, I think it's called. And it's like kids will go fish, or not fish, um, like cliff jump, but they don't do it anymore. But it's like this big bowl that the water got stuck in this bowl because there's like a, a bowl and then a lip. Mm-hmm. It's like a lip and then it drops further to the creek. Huh. Do you know what I'm talking about? Next time I talk to him. Is it out here? Yeah, but I don't know exactly where, but I know it's on private property. I wonder if that's the one my neighbor was, which my neighbor's from California too, back there on the street. And he was telling me about it. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I've never even heard of that. But he was like, yeah, there's like this bowl. Uh-huh. Maybe the same place. Dude, and I, I, drop, a, I drop the Sanko worm. And first cast, boom, like probably this big. And then right after I reeled it up, I just, I took out the hook, dropped it back in. And then we were just, he's like, we got to go. And we left. Now, I mean, I don't really fish place. Like that one, I said, there is sign. So I say that where I go like down here behind my house, I go right up to where like the signs say private property. And like, cause right there is where the river opens up and it's bigger and deeper. And I fish right there. Mm-hmm. So like 15 feet to my right is not private property. It's mm-hmm. the neighborhood's property. So it's like. You know, I'm not trying, I, I, I'm not saying that I won't sneak on somebody's property, <laughs> but like, I won't just comfortably go fish there every other day, yeah, every yeah, other weekend yeah. and just casually like, no, that's like, a, I'm going to go try it out one time and just see how, you know, mm-hmm. see how it is. But, that's the thing. There's got to be so many spots around here that are just loaded with fish. I always look on maps and stuff like that and find them and then uh-huh. I'll go drive to see if I can get to it or not. But unfortunately now we're in a drought, so there's. Some of the ones that I know are there, they're super low. Like over Mystic Shores, there's three or four ponds that when my parents used to go to fish, and they were little tiny ones, but they were loaded with bass. And now I drove by there a couple months ago just to see which ones were still there. They're either 
dry or somebody has bought the property where the pond was uh, and so it's had the paper and so I'm like eh. yeah because before that was when my parents lived there the north side of Mystic Shores north side of 306 there wasn't hardly any houses over there there was probably maybe th- maybe 20 or 30 and now it's there's houses it's, it's, it's you know which I mean of course it's it was a, it was a newer ish neighborhood then so it's going to grow because um, that was a big ranch at one time all of Mystic Shores it was uh, I believe it was called the Seven Eleven Ranch. Um, a lady used to babysit when I was younger. Her ex-husband was a ranch was a, was born and, and was a ranch on that ranch. Big and ranch. It was a big it ranch. It was I think it was three or four thousand acres. Oh like shit! That. And what's so what's crazy is if you go around here like the deer hill country, hill country deer are like known they're notorious for being like smaller body. And then they have like a big rack, but usually their horns are like pencil horn. They're not real thick compared to like South Texas deer. They just, they have like the, the black brush and there's just like minerals in the dirt and the deer just like the, the mass of the horns are heavier. But here it's like, I've, I've seen 12 points that are massive, but then they're just like little pencil horns. Uh-huh. But there's like weird little pockets like right there in Mystic Shores where there's random deer where you'll see deer that are just like super massive heavy one deer and i think it's because it's where ranches were ranches were and they either the ranches either purposely fed the deer protein fed them or something or the deer were getting protein from something else that uh-huh. was there like maybe they were throwing out alfalfa or cotton seed for something else and the deer were eating it because mystic shores is that way i have a picture i need to show you at some point where a six point motor brother killed dude his the base of his horns are almost as big as these cans wow but then it's like you go three or four miles over and the deer are like this big. What is alfalfa? Can you show me? Can you Google it? Because I heard deer love alfalfa. Yeah, they do alfalfa, cotton seed, all that stuff. It's a type of hay. Uh, I can spell it, right? You've seen the little rascals? That's was the guy's name, right? Yeah, because yeah, he got the little thing sticking up. So this is saying... It's like a, this is telling me it's a plant, but I thought it was... That's not right. That's what it's showing. That's not right. That's not it? No, because that's... It's, you know what? Let me do this. It's up. There we go. Yeah, maybe it is. Images. Like the slowest Google in the world. We need a. We need to get you other one. You get bigger. You need like a Jamie. A ja- young Jamie. <laughs> a young, a young, young Jamie. Jamie. Pull it yeah. up. Pull it up, Jamie. Yeah, this makes more sense. That's kind of more. Gosh, like what it looks like. So you know, uh, okay. they like that, and then cotton seed too. A lot of animals, even like the exotics, you see a lot of in Texas. Uh huh. Um, like the axis that we have running around right here. So uh-huh. they, they like alfalfa and cotton seed and all that. Okay, so I was going to ask you. So driving to, let's say you're coming from 281. No, let's say you're coming from, what's that intersection where you leave Smithson Valley, you go towards Canyon Lake, mm-hmm. and there's that like a RV trailer part, and there's like a storage place. Is it 3009 and... What, what, when you, Smithson Valley Road turns into what? Um, it depends on which way you, so if you go from 
So let's say you're taking Smithson Valley Road to Canyon Lake. Oh, okay. So that goes into that turns into thirty one fifty nine. Okay. Which there's that there's that high fence place on your left on the corner. There's like yep. a big high fence. Okay. Let's say you make a left. So you're going on forty six. Mm-hmm. Then you make a left on thirty one fifty nine. There's the gas station down there on yep. the right. The big. And then that next intersection is three eleven. Okay. And actually, if you turn left there, and that brings you over here to our house. Yes. Okay. Now let's say you're taking that way to go to Canyon Lake. Right. Isn't there like a place that's like a dinosaur track place? If so, if you keep going, you cross like a bridge, so right? Right. I'm, and you know what's funny is we. I don't think growing up we ever visited that. Really? Because I've but heard I've a heard, lot about it. But I've heard good. I've heard people like it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. That's what I've heard. So if yeah, if you go follow that up to the intersection, there's a McDonald's. You turn right. Yep. And that'll take you all the way over. If you're going to the dam. Right. Right. That, that takes you over where that is. But I've, I don't think. Damn. Unless never I been was there? like. No, to the dam I have, yeah. But you don't no, 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 sorry. <laughs> Too many dams there. Uh, no, I remember, as, maybe when I was little, my mom might have taken me mm. or something, but I don't remember. Um, I don't think I've ever gone, but I've heard it's like pretty legit. Yeah, me too. You know, like, it's actually like real, which I always pictured like, you know, they just got like some like plastered, like, these are dinosaur tracks. Uh-huh. And, you know, you're like, you no, I heard your like finger, but no, I've heard it's like In legit. the rock. Yeah, I've heard it's very legit, but I don't know. And the last time I drove by it, I was kind of worried that it wasn't there anymore because there's, but there's like those uh, apartments there by it now. It may still be there. Yeah. But, I mean, wouldn't, I mean, I'm sure there was freaking dinosaurs. You know what's one thing that bugs me about Texas is there's not like public land. So like in California, back when I was in California, we would explore, explore public land all the time. Right. Me and my friends would just drive into the forest and the mountains, just take our off-road vehicles and just go explore, get out. Find rock structures, climb rock structures. Can't do that out here, you know. So there, you got to find them. But there's not, a, there's not. So I was, there's not a pub, not, not a lot of public land in this area. But in other areas of Texas, there's some pretty good chunks. Really, I know. I wish we had the name. I can't remember if it's Amst, Amstead or Falcon over there on the border of Mexico. There's a big public hunting land over there, and then like there's like the uh, over. East Texas, I think it's the Daily Crockett National Forest or something like that. Oh, okay. It's a pretty good chunk from what I understand. And it's, and these are, I'm thinking of like hunting wise, like public hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, around here, there really isn't. There's little, if you look it up, I was actually surprised. There's actually some like five miles from our farm out in Marion, but it's like a little bitty chunk. It's like, but it's, it's mainly dove hunting, which most of that is, it's good dove hunting in that area because a lot of farmland. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that have a lot of brush out there. So it's, not too many deer and stuff like How that. How many acres do you have in Marion? Well, like I was telling you, so her half is going to be about 150. Have you ever found any artifacts out there? No, and that's one thing that every year I tell myself during the off season, I'm going to walk and like the whole property and look for like just sheds and deer antler sheds, but also look for stuff. Like arrowheads. Right. And everything. See, the thing with her property that's kind of unique is the whole center section is all brush but apparently from what my dad said they farmed it at one time and you can tell because the house and everything are kind of on a hill and most property goes on the back below it at a slight gradual but even when you walk the brush you can notice the terraces from where they had it to where it would hold water so they could farm interesting so but it's crazy how fast the mesquite will grow because from what i understand it's been 50 or 60 years is what the mesquite's been growing and you would drive through there and think this place has always been wooded but it's just, no, it was farmed. The whole place was flat farmed. Uh, but they just stopped farming the intersection and the, the inner portion of it, and now it's all brush. 
So that's kind of why I started hunting out there, deer hunting, because everybody, the whole family, my stepmom's like, there's no deer out here. We don't ever see deer. And I'm like, if you look on a map, our property, there's all open fields around it. The nearest place that has any decent amount of brush is a pretty good ways away. And I'm like, there's got to be a holding deer in here. Like, there's got to be deer and hogs in here. And sure enough, we started seeing them and uh, put a feeder up and I hunt. Kind of secluded because half my stepmom's family is, they're one of those that they found out that I had a blind there and a feeder, they'd go hunt it without even asking me. Uh, Which, I mean, it's like, hey, technically, like, their, you know, their grandma is half on their property too which mm-hmm. so it's like they have a right to hunt but it's like hey I, for three years I've been feeding feeding out there and I have a blind and I have I've been paying to put up the trail cameras and do all that yeah 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 you know so I kind of I stick it back in the brush where nobody knows where it is like me and my dad know where it is but yeah you know which I'm, I'm one of those kind of people anyways I'd rather hunt like back in yeah you know because I bow hunt out there I don't rifle hunt so you've gotten with a bow before I have I've taken one deer out there um in the last two years, I've just been so busy with whatever job I had at the time. I just haven't, I haven't been able to hunt so much out there. But I first year I killed out there was a really big six point, which he was one of those. He I saw him on camera. He came in. He was an old deer, and when they're old, old, and they're only a six point, it's like they, they need to be taken anyways. But he was an old deer, so he needed he needed, he was a what you would call a need management wise. They need to go, but. So when it comes to like six points, usually they're not very big. Like, but this six point, I, I need to get him skull mounted. He's still sitting in the freezer from like three years ago, and I haven't taken him to get him. Because when I, at the time that I killed him, I didn't have enough money to have the deer processed and mount him. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so I just was like, okay, I'll put him in the freezer until I have money. And now I just haven't gotten back out there. But, and I'll show you pictures later. But the deer, he's probably that wide and probably that tall, but he's only six points. So it's just for around here, he he's kind of a trophy in his own way because six points don't normally get like it, it's kind of hard to explain. They don't normally get that big. Like usually, when you have a six point, it's a young deer. He's little six point. You shot that right there. Mm-hmm. That's a black buck. Is what where, that's called. Where did you shoot that? Uh, one? Out in Utopia. Um, that's out. Uh, I've heard of Utopia. Yeah, out kind of. Gosh, I want to say it's like northwest. Mm-hmm. Northwest of here, like out kind of like Uvalde, Hondo area. Uh-huh. Up, no, Uvalde's south. Yeah, Uvalde's more south. Sorry, it's up towards like Rock Springs and all that. Okay. Over there, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly. My dad was leasing a place there with a guy. And you shot that with a rifle or a bow? Yeah, I shot that one from about, I think it was, I was young too. It was like 180, 200 yards. Um, but they had exhaust. Damn, from, 200 yards is a pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's a long shot. And I actually made a bad shot on him. Um, but he would be lucky he didn't go too far. But that place had exotics. And the funny thing was their rule there was on the black bucks. Um, usually, which this is kind of a center rule. Like if you look at their curls and if they're four curls or better, it's a, it's a mature, more mature, it's an older animal. And that one's only three curl. But the guy that we were leasing the place with that kind of, you know, made more and so made the decision on what we could or couldn't take there he saw it leaving his where he was hunting he's like hey it's head towards y'all that's a shooter y'all can shoot it and he came over and i shot him and i shot him a little far back um but he didn't go too far and died almost right away but so he's only like a three and a half curl but and i didn't notice at the time when we shot him he's super thick for what those normally are uh-huh. normally like where his his horns the bases go to his head Normally, 
at that point, they're about as thick as he is maybe halfway up. And I, I didn't know that. Like we, we shot it like, oh, it was my first one. I was young. Cool. Awesome. Take it to the local taxidermist there. And he's like, holy shit. Like my dad, my dad was like, what? And he was like, dude, that thing, like the horns are super heavy on it. They don't normally get like that. Um, but yeah, I've had that one for a long time. That thing's wicked. How many do you think you've hunted? How many deer do you think you've shot in your life? More than 10? Oh, yeah. I try to kill at least two every year for meat because we like to eat a lot of deer meat here. Um, you, what do you mix it with? So I get it processed, and I they usually put uh, pork butt? Beef, or pork or beef, beef tallow in there. Oh, okay. Pork butt, but it's not too much. But, yeah, we get – so I usually try to kill two – and it's usually does is what it is. I, I usually – you take two does a year or like a what you would call a Kohler management buck who's you know either like real old and needs to go or he's you know on a ranch where people are so well don't we'll dive in this real quick so a lot dive of people in. yeah the, the whole like people <clears throat> get around here in Texas especially gets gets a bad rap for we were just trophy hunting and you're only shooting a deer for its horns which it's partially true but I don't know anybody that doesn't shoot a deer for its horns that doesn't also eat the meat. You know what I'm saying? Nobody You're just, not going to let it go to waste. Right. Nobody just kills a deer and then just says, well, I just want the horns. So yeah. It's like, yeah, we look for the horns, but also, like, me, my family, everybody I know, we're only also shooting mature deer, too. So even if its horns are massive, that's great, but if it's, th- which, it's like, three, three and a half is young for a deer. If three and a half, we're not going to shoot it. So we wait till they're at that. It's debatable. And each deer is different because there's, I've seen... You know, studies where there's there's some deer that are eight years old and they're still growing. And you're like, what? But most of them, it's like that six, that six and a half year old range is kind of where everybody likes to target five and a half to six. At that point, usually they're at their peak, and then the next year's falling out, they start to go downhill. From what studies have showed, but okay, you know. So anyway, so it, you go after them for their horns, but yes, at the same time, you're not going to shoot a deer that's even if it's big horns if it's young. So I've hunted a lot of places I'll shoot what they call like management deer, where it's like, well, that deer is six and a half years old, but he's, his rack's like this. And if they're selling hunts there and they're trying to make money off of the deer there, it's like, that's not desirable. So they need to, so it's what they call bad genetics. So the deer needs to be taken. And he's old anyways at that point. Uh-huh. Not sure. I'm not against it, okay? Because I've shot a deer and uh, I appreciate the, the harvesting of deer. There's deer fucking everywhere. Oh, here, dude. They, yeah. We honestly, I think we, they don't let us shoot enough in Colonel County. Yeah. I think the limit is too little because we have we're over ramp, but I see deer is. everywhere. Even in Timberwood Park. They should shoot those deer Timberwood in Timberwood Park. Park. That yeah, place is some, loaded. I, massive I was just in Mystic Shores. Okay, when, you're, when we were talking about that intersection where that gas station is, mm-hmm. if you're going to Canyon Lake, not the first intersection, like you pass GVTC, right? That second intersection, right? You make a left. Is that where Mystic Shores is? is no, that, so that's uh, there's a neighborhood there. I don't know the on name. On the of right, it. yeah. Um, God damn it, it's coming. We have some friends living there, but I actually, when that neighborhood was being developed, I got the privilege to ride around back there before there was a neighborhood. Dude, there's all that back in there. There's so many deer over there. But there's deer. Yeah, there's tons. What of did deer. you say? There's what back all there? All that. What is all that? They're like a. Uh, a mountain sheep type of thing. Oh, interesting. They're uh, and they're like native to Texas and like west of here. Uh-huh. Um, from what I understand, they're I'm sure you could eat me. 
they're just they're not the best because they're big tough animals. They don't. I mean, they almost look, they're like a big mountain sheep kind of thing. But it's weird because normally you only find them like out where the mountains are. Mm. But back in that neighborhood, it's kind of mountainous. Yeah, it's 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 real we, hilly. We saw some back in there, and I was like really surprised because normally you don't see them around here. Uh-huh. They're very uncommon to see. <clears throat> so my question was, okay, I'm not against it, but here's my question. You think it's accurate when people say that deer is six and a half years old? Depends on who's judging it. Like, you know what I mean? Well, like, so, but see, like people like me and people that I know that I hunt with and I know, there's like there's so many ways to judge deer. Yeah, I think there's always going to be those one-off, like once every, you know, five or six years, you're going to kill one that had every sign of being old, but it wasn't. Mm. I think that there's a chance that can always happen, but there's so many factors that you look at, dude. You can tell when they walk in. So they'll have like the brisket in the front will be super low and it'll be like it's almost flopping around. They'll have a sway in there. What back. is that? The brisket, the neck? Like, no, oh yeah, right below the neck. Okay. Right in between their front legs. You'll see that. Mm. Oh, my dog's starting to get that. I grab it. I just. And, right. Uh huh. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> getting older. He's nine now. And oh, that's like, it looks like a rooster's. You know what I'm uh-huh. talking about? It's almost it's just, like, yeah. But they'll have, they'll have that, dude, and and they'll have a sway in their back. What is what does you mean? The way they walk? No, when they're standing there straight, not stretch out, standing there straight. And if they're looking and they're and they can kind of look at them from like a ninety degree angle, I guess. If, the, if their back has a sway too, because when they're younger, it's going to be a straight back. But the older they get, they're going to start getting oh, a sway back. Oh, I see, I see. Um, longer nose, their nose seems to get longer, and I don't know. Interesting. Uh, no way. I'm sorry. It's almost, it's not longer. It's, it's, well, I think it's what it is. It gets fatter. So it's, it's like, it's, so I said that wrong. It's when they're younger, they seem like they have long skinny noses, but when it's, when they're older, they're like shorter. Shorter. But I think uh-huh. it's just because they have more meat and uh-huh. stuff and fatter on their face. Uh, you, can, you can just tell by the way, like if you've been hunting long enough, you can, um, you can just tell by the way they carry themselves. Interesting. And like they're hawks, especially during, um, um, like during uh, the rut, the back of their back legs, you'll see they have black on them. And don't get me wrong, a three and a half, four year old deer will have its its hawks will be pretty black because they're like they're constantly pissing. They're trying to make like their their ruts and all that do their thing. But when they're old, do that whole like the whole thing the inside of their back leg, like happen on that would be black. From what they just they piss on it, and it becomes black. Yeah, I don't know what interesting. Causes. It's, it's a it's way more scientific words for this than what I'm using but what is what is that making their rut what is that so mean? like they'll so like they'll do or um, so like bucks will go and they'll they'll like they'll mark an area where they're like they'll turn up the ground they'll like piss all over and stuff like this basically say like hey I'm here oh, okay. I'm in the area back off dude like mm. dominant bucks here you know like it's and it's so it, over the years you can kind of what's really hard is when you get the deer is like judging a for people that haven't hunted is the four and a half to like the five or six year old because four and a half they they need another year they really do at least another year or two but there's a lot of four and a half year old deer that will look real similar to like a five or six year old because it's only a year difference mm-hmm. so and a lot of it depends on where you hunt too because if you're hunting in a place that they only feed like i've been on ranches where they only feed protein all that kind of stuff the deer are way bigger interesting you know yeah you, you could take a mature deer here out at the lake and it's not it's going to be way smaller than or it might be the same size as a three-year-old on one of those places and uh-huh. this deer is a six-year-old here so but it's almost it's almost i almost have to show you in person 
it's it's weird. You can it's, maybe it comes with time, and I'm used to it. But you can you can tell like when you see one walk in, you're like, dude, that dude's a mature deer. Okay. You know, and the same thing with does too. We do the same thing. You can still do the same thing with does. Um, besides the the hop, the, the back of their deal where it's like their scent glands are when they're running, but they don't have that. But the does, same thing. They'll have a sway back. You know, uh, okay. the does look a certain way. You know, it's it's just certain things, and then. You know, obviously, after you shoot them too, you always you look at the teeth and see. But see, that's a tricky one too. A lot of people want to judge off the teeth, but it also depends on what they eat. Because mm-hmm. deer that eat nothing but corn, corn draws them in, but it's like candy to them. But it wears the shit out of their teeth. Uh-huh. It's like yeah, versus grass. Grass, or, or even like the protein that people feed, it's like it's soft pellets. Yeah. So you can have a deer that's teeth are worn down to shit. It's only three years old. Oh, interesting. That's not something I would think about. And I didn't, as a kid, we never really thought about that because growing up, the protein feeding wasn't like a big thing. It's super popular now. But back then, we were just like, eh. You know, so you always have to, if you, after you took one, you, oh, okay, it's teeth. Oh, yeah, this is an old deer. It's teeth are ground down. But it's not always a telltale sign. Mm. Which makes sense. What's your most interesting hunting story? Like what's so one I, that so stuck I think, I think one for me. There's one I gotta tell about my dad, and I wasn't even there. He'd be the better one to tell the story because it's the wildest shit. That, like, if my uncle wasn't there to confirm it, I'd be like, "There's no way that happened." But I'm trying to think. Like for me, what's the wildest one that I've ever had? Well, the coolest one I've ever had. I don't think I've had any wild hunting stories off the top of my head. But the coolest one I ever had was when I shot that six point. I've been hunting him all season, and he was only showing up at night, like two a.m. So. You can't hunt at 2 a.m. Where were you? In the Down Marion. Okay. You can't hunt at 2 a.m. It's You only hunt from certain times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, shit. I never, 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 like, never during the day I had a picture of him. It was always at night. But I was still hunting. Like, on your trail cam. Right. On trail cam. D- diligently hunting. Like, whatever. He's going to come in. So the morning that I ended up killing him, I woke up late. Not only I woke up late, I checked the weather, and it was going to be, like, 70 degrees and foggy. And I'm like, dude. Because I... I'm a firm believer, like, when it's a little cooler, so, like, it gets the deer moving, and especially when it's not foggy or windy, I've always been told not to hunt because if it's windy, the deer can't smell as good, and when it's foggy, they can't see as good either, so they're not going to want to move, which um, Chris sent me a video the other day of a study that's actually, that they think it's actually the opposite of that now. Interesting. Which makes, that makes sense too, like, hey, they know... Other animals can't uh-huh. smell as well, uh-huh. so they can't smell meat. But uh-huh. I don't know what the truth is. So, anyways, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go. And sure enough, he was the first deer that walked in. But it was like the weirdest thing because it was foggy. I couldn't see more than 20 yards in front of my ground blind that I had built out of brush myself. More than 20 yards to like right where he'd be coming in, and it was late, and it was like I was in, I was in the blind sweating. My hand had to come in, and he only came in at like 2 a.m. every morning, and he happened to come in that morning. And he shot him with what? My bow. Wow. But it's like the odds of, you know, I, I, to me, that's just kind of crazy. Yeah. That it's just, it was like the worst morning in my life to even kill a deer. And, and it was the one morning that he decided to slip up and come in. I have no other pictures of him at all during the day coming in. Any daylight time where I could have taken a shot. I've shot one deer. And uh, it was funny. I went four or five times out in a blind. We built like a tree blind, like a big platform in the trees. Went out there a few times, went a couple of times in the ground blind. It's like a tent that we had. Right. Never saw a deer. And then I was going out with my buddy, and we were driving his truck up this hill. And um, we get to where the hill 
like you're going up the road and it splits off down to the feeder. Mm -hmm. And it's like maybe 60 yards, maybe 50, 60 yards. And the four or five times I, I hadn't seen a single deer and we were driving up and I saw it down at the feeder. And he just hands me the gun. He's like, shoot it. It's there. Right. And I hit it. But it was crazy because I had gone four or five times to actually try to hunt. This time we were just going to fill the feeder. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I saw the deer. It's funny. Like, you know, it's, it's always <clears throat> you don't expect it. And see, that's what's like funny. A lot of people give people crap for hunting over feeders. And I'll say this. So for meat hunting, yeah, it's super easy because your does almost consistently come into the feeder. Mm-hmm. But during the rut, it's like it's so hard to get like people don't realize the only reason a buck's gonna come to the feeder is if he's happened to take a break from rutting and chasing does, which they usually don't. They'll literally run themselves to death chasing does. Like, there's so many bucks that die a year because of that. But you it's like you're you're lining everything up with usually they're going in like, like I think they go in and feed a light at night more often than mature bucks because that at that time the does are bedded up and I'm like okay this is my time to go recoup mm. the only time you're really going to see them during the day is if they're chasing a doe in that area mm-hmm. so it's like you're getting lucky enough that he's chasing a doe that happens to be going to that feeder and he's usually not going to come in and sit there for 30 minutes and give you a shot mm-hmm. he's going to follow her in and be there for maybe 30 seconds to a minute and then he's going to go mm-hmm. so it's like it's not quite as easy as people like especially if you're hunting like mature bucks that's it's not as easy as you think with the people think with the feeders but it, for hunting like meat hunts which like that's what i try to do every year where i was saying i kill two, i try to kill about two a year choose a doze just strictly for me yeah because that's usually two and i get most of it ground is enough um to make us to like the next year because uh-huh. yeah, i get like 90 percent of it just ground up because like did you can do anything with the ground yeah mm-hmm. um but so back to the uh, crazy story I have with my dad. Okay, let's hear. So we were hunting this place outside of Bigfoot, south of San Antonio. Okay. And it was a pretty nice place, and I went out and set with my, set out set with you, my cousin. This is like a is this like a high fence? Or no, this is a low fence place that my dad, um, an uncle, and a couple of family members were leasing. Okay. From a family friend at the time, um, and but I went out and sat with my cousin, and we were sitting this fence line, which the fence line actually was to a high fence place that this property backed up to. We were hunting the fence line because we'd been seeing tons of hogs and we were just looking to kill a pig. And set, 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 didn't see anything. But I mean, my cousin, I think was in his 20s at the time and I was 13, so we were probably being way too loud and we were sitting there bullshit and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, we'd taken a four-wheeler over there. We backed the four-wheeler out onto the road and we're getting ready to pull off. And I think it was me I, 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 one of us saw it, but they were like, oh, there's a deer down there, way down there. And uh, it was, it was a, like a hell of an eight point came out. Big, tall, heavy horned deer came out. And my cousin throws up his gun. He's like, looking, he's like, oh, wow, it's, that's a mature buck. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him. Well, he misjudges the distance. We're thinking, like, oh, it's like 150, maybe 200, which like, wouldn't have been bad. But it ended up being, I think when we hit it with a rangefinder or, or I don't know if we did that or walked it out at that point or if we had a rangefinder back then it was like 350 god damn that's a far shot you're right so he he shot low so he was aiming right behind the shoulder or right at the shoulder he hit low and hit it right at about what you would call the deer's knee well all we see is it hit the deer the deer kind of like humps up like clear shot the deer tries to like jump the high fence hit, clearly doesn't clear the <laughs> high fence hits the high fence and runs in the brush right you hit it for sure, whatever. Go back to camp. 
my dad and his You dad. didn't want to go see it. Well, we were going to wait because we like, it ran uh, off. It didn't just drop. So we're like, camp was, camp was like 20 minutes away. So like, we're going to go back and get his dad and my dad, give a little bit of time to maybe bleed out and die or whatever. And then we're going to go back. It's kind of like the standard thing you do. Mm-hmm. So they go back to camp. They get, like I said, his, his dad, my uncle, and then my dad. And then we go back out there to go look for it. And at this point, it's getting dark because we hunted the evening. It was in the evening. So it was already getting dark when we were leaving because you usually hunt till dark. Mm-hmm. So we go back out and it's like pitch black. And they park and I'm told to stay in the truck. So this is where my first account ends. Okay. And it's just what I was told after this. Okay. So they pick up the blood trail on this deer and it's bleeding a lot. And my dad and my uncle jumped the deer, I don't know how many times. Um, what does that mean? Yeah, like, that, like they walked up on him and felt like he he had been laying down because he's bleeding and he was you know injured, so he was laying down. They walked up, you know, we're just following blood and having to walk up on him, and then he jumped up and took off. Okay. And they're like, oh shit! So you stop, wait. Uh huh. Did that several times, and my dad only they had a rifle, but my dad had a thirty-eight pistol at the time, and several times my uncle said, like your dad, he was a revolver, just unloaded it into him, and then finally they started seeing. Um, some pink in the blood, which means that they got a long shot. It's like, okay, like he's not going to go much further now. And when it was all said and done, from what I understand, it was like, it was, it was about a mile or, or maybe a little Holy more. Holy shit. Him because we were able to figure it out because where they went in, where the road where he shot him, it cut, it, the deer kind of went way into the brush and made a big U.E. and came back out on the same road, just way further uh-huh. down. And, uh-huh. But... So the final time, they, they, they're finding like pink and a bunch of pink blood and they're starting to see like big puddles. So they're like, dude, the deer's laying down like he's bleeding out. And again, it's at night too this time. So it's, it's a lot harder to spot the deer. They're just oh, yeah. falling blood and that's why they keep walking up on it by accident. Shit, it's running and they're pushing it. Well, the final time, my dad said, they like lose blood. And they're like, dude, they found this big puddle, they found a bunch of pink and they lose blood. What the hell? So they're just, they just start walking in all different directions. And my dad said, He's, he's walking around the side of a big mesquite bush and he sees the deer like land there. And he's like, okay. So as he's making his way, the deer jumps up and he's like, I'm five feet from this deer. And to this day, I don't know. He's like, I, even, I don't know what made me think about it. But so he jumps on the deer's back. He <laughs> <laughs> couldn't run again. Dude, I'm not. Uh-huh. So, so the craziest thing was though, so remember this deer has one front leg that's not working. Uh-huh. Which they're resilient. I've seen plenty of deer without a leg and they're still fine. But it's been shot multiple times at this point. It's bleeding out. My dad jumps on its back. Has to hook. He said the deer probably ran 20 yards with him on his back. And my dad at that time was at least every bit as big as I am. If not bigger, 250, 220, something like that. Ran probably 20 yards with him on his back till he hooked his front right leg would hit my dad's front right leg, hooked his leg and managed to like make him fall forward mm-hmm. and was holding the deer down, screaming for my Holy uncle. shit. Like, cause my dad said in the process, he had dropped his pistol, dropped his flashlight. He's in the pitch black. <laughs> and just he's just holding the deer. deer and the deer. And a lot of people think of, a lot of people know about deer is their hoofs, dude, are super sharp. You wouldn't think, but they're like, if they kick you, they'll, they'll like cut you open. Uh-huh. So he's like, dude, and he's like, and this thing, like he said, it stood up several times with me on its back. It would stand up and I'd have to like hook a leg in and make it fall. And so my uncle finally managed to come over there and find my dad, you know, holding the deer. Uh, 
and and they were able to. Uh, that's that, that's what's the craziest part is. So, my uncle came up and my uncle had a knife with him, or either that or my dad, my dad was able to get his knife out at that point, and so they cut the deer's throat to let it bleed out. Like, oh, it's gonna die. So they come back and tell the whole story. We get back to camp. We hang the deer up and start cleaning it. Dude, the dude starts kicking again. Really? Like thrashing for uh-huh. like minutes. And I'm like, dude, this deer's like throat is completely, like it's bled out. Like what in the, like. How is that even possible? Dude, resilient animals. Yeah. So I can't confirm 100% the part. I mean. I'm sure my dad wouldn't lie about it, but uh, where the part where he found the deer and jumped on it, but my uncle was like, "Hey, when I came up, and he's like, I heard you got he's like, he was holding it down, and he was like, and the deer was trying to stand up. That's wild. So, you you follow that page on Instagram called Nature Is Metal? No. You have Instagram? I don't. I just have Facebook. There's a page called Nature Is Metal, and it's all about just like crazy things that animals do to other animals. And there was a video taken here in Canyon Lake of an, uh, a deer eating a snake. It's funny you say that. That was my, my buddy recorded that. That's your buddy? Trey. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I saw it on there and I'm like, holy shit. Because I saw somebody Man, post it. Right over here. He lives like one neighborhood over. Uh-huh. Somebody posted it on the Facebook page of Canyon Lake. And I, I messaged him and I was like, hey, can I post this on social media? And then the next day I saw it on that page, Nature is Metal. I'm like, holy shit. That's a big page too. Yeah, I don't know. If, so did he post it on there, or, or maybe somebody else? Because he posted it on a group that I'm members of with him. Canyon Lake. No, uh, no, the the group that he I saw him posted on, which I think he posted on his own Facebook page, but then he posted it on a group called uh, Piro Pinche Low Fence Hunters. Oh, okay. If you, by the way, if you haven't joined a Facebook group, that one's funny or it, what? It's like no holds barred. Uh, it's everything goes. The moderators or like the chick that started it, and her husband's super cool. Like. Uh-huh. Everybody's like, if you're a crybaby, I don't care. Like, go somewhere else. Like, the only time thing, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a miracle. More things don't get removed by Facebook, but uh-huh. they don't ever remove anything. If it gets removed, it's because Facebook removed, it, not them. Yeah. But I think that's where he originally posted. Uh, somebody, somebody must probably have, yeah. Shared it, but yeah, I was like, what the hell? You know, and like the deer that like the story I just showed you. That's you know, it's crazy. But that's worst case scenario. Like, dude, as much as I'm like all about hunting, I love it. Love deer meat, it's delicious. Like, that's worst case. You don't want that. Yeah, you don't want that. You know, that's worst case scenario. But yeah. It's like, you don't want that. For the most part, when you kill a deer, especially with a rifle or a bow and it's a good shot, dude, that is the best way they could die. Dude, I'll tell you a story. Compared to like what nature could do to them. I'm going to tell you a story. And then I got to get out of here because I got a coach in the morning. But I'm going to tell you a story. I made a start late anyway, so. You what? So I made a start late anyway, so you're good. Oh, you start tomorrow late? Well, no, I mean, I made a start Oh, okay, late. no worries. Okay. We have a rental property um, on 1863. Mm. I was there, and I was cleaning it up, and I went to the backyard, and I saw a deer with what seemed like something was wrong with its spine, and it was paralyzed. So it was laying on the ground, back legs just straight out, front legs out like this. And it was moving its head and everything, it was conscious, but it could not move, it could not get up. My dad and I pet its head, you know, and it just couldn't move. I was like, do I shoot this thing? I'm not gonna eat it. Right. It's paralyzed, and I felt bad if I were to shoot it because I'm like, I don't wanna shoot this thing if I'm not gonna eat it. So I called animal control, and they were like, we'll, uh, we'll see if we can get somebody out there tomorrow. 
And say all they're going to do is come shoot it. I know. I fucked up. So I was like, okay, I'm going to see what happens. Go home in the morning. They call me back. They're like, hey, if you go back there, just go shoot it. Because if we try to pick it up and try to rehabilitate it, it can go into shock because it freaks out that it's being touched by humans, etc. They're like, go back there and shoot it. I drive over there, go to the backyard. It had gotten eaten by coyotes, asshole first. I'm like, I felt so fucking bad. Because I would have rather just shot it and got it over with than this thing sitting there for probably an hour while coyotes are just ripping into its asshole, taking out all of its organs while it's laying there. Yeah, that's how they eat it. I was... God, I felt terrible. I was like, I should have just shot it. That's what people don't realize. It's like between like mountain lions and coyotes, they're going to have a much worth. And that's what, like, Britlin, so the other day she hit a cat on the road right up here. Oh, dude, I've hit a cat before. I felt and bad. it was like on the side of the road, like, basically paralyzed. So I was like, I'll go take care of it. I went up there, shot the cat, put out its misery, and then I come back home, and she's just like, how are you not feeling? It's like, I thought I don't feel anything. I said... I know I did what was best. Yeah. I said, it's unfortunate, but I think some people look at that as like, oh, you're just a killer. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, I care about that. That's why I do that. Yeah. Because it's like, like you learn in that situation where you like, you think you're doing the best thing by like not messing with it. But it's like, sometimes like, you know, like, look, this thing, if it can't move, it's like, it's gonna, it's gonna just suffer and either get just eaten up by ants or by cow or something. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm doing it a favor by mm-hmm. doing that. And yeah, and I understand why other people can't look at it that way. I get it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with hunting. I understand people look at it the way they look at it because they're like, well, if you just left it alone. But I'm like, we have an overpopulation problem as it is. Mm-hmm. And they're either going to die, which is this is human's fault, by a car getting hit or by coyotes or mountain lions, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I make a clean ethical kill on this thing, it's like, it's, it's either not going to feel it or it's just not it's just gonna you know what i'm saying it's just so much better people are too far removed from what nature really is like it, on that page nature is metal it shows you like the raw nature where you got bears who are grabbing calves like baby calves right. dragging them off into the woods and it's like would that if you're a human would you rather die by something eating you asshole first or just put a bullet in your head you would pick bullet every time right you pick bullet every bear. time. Exactly. Talking about how far we're going to move. You see all the videos every year, like people going to like all those like yellow some of those places. And messing with the bison and shit. Bison. Trying to, yeah. Are you Fucking stupid? Like, idiots. It's not a petting zoo. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a wonder where people haven't died. But same yeah. thing with like, I've seen videos of people like on these walking trails and a grizzly comes walking up and they're just like recording it. I'm like, uh-huh. what are you doing? Yeah. Like if it doesn't attack you, it's only because you got lucky enough that it just ate 10 minutes ago. Yeah. You know, I'm like, that'd be like the worst death ever. So, I, but yeah, that's a whole... That's a whole subject. I, I love debating that with people where I'm like, look, you can look at it how you want, but I'm like, you think you bought yourself from the store so the animals didn't suffer? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's each own. Yeah. You know, that's that's the way I grew up. That's where I'll always be. It's so much help. Do you know what I mean? So much leaner. Oh. So much better for you. Even, even with the little bit of beef tallow or something add there to make it just where it doesn't, it, you can at least cook it and dry out. But, uh-huh. When I shot my first deer, the meat that I got from it, like those couple months that I was just eating that venison, I felt fucking amazing. Dude, that, and then felt I, really I good. I want to get an elk. I really want to eat My elk. buddy gave me some elk. It's good stuff. I've had dude. a little bit, like, over the years, but it was always, like, a friend of a friend shot one, and, like, they cooked something at their house, and we just, like, had, like, one meal of it, you know? I haven't been able to eat it consistently, like, the whitetail, but I know it's even 
even better. But yeah, I like all the like the lot. You you got to come over. I do freaking deer burgers all the time. Let's do it. We'll do it again. We'll do another podcast. All right, we got to end it because I got to get home. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks for buddy. doing this. It, Hell yeah. We'll do another one. I'm not that interesting, but I appreciate no, it. No, this is a great conversation. <laughs> we'll do another one. All right, y'all.